You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. While you were skipping stones, building forts, and flying kites, I was missing school and all my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Hello, welcome back to Little Me Growing Up Broadway with me, Mark Tuminelli. My guest today began her career at the age of seven in the film Premonition before making history in the original Broadway cast of Annie, creating the role of the youngest orphan, Molly. After Annie, she joined the cast of the hit TV show All in the Family and then co-starred in its continuation, Archie Bunker's Place. She appeared on dozens of TV shows, including Hotel, Mr. Belvedere, Murder, She Wrote, Tales from the Dark Side, and Days of Our Lives. Now a very successful songwriter, collaborating on such hits as Natasha Benningfield's Unwritten and Pocketful of Sunshine. She's a Golden Globe nominee, and I'm so happy she's here today. Please welcome Danielle Brisois. Did I kind of <laughs> hey, do the name right? I, you did you know, it. I would, you, got my, you got my starting my starting age wrong. Okay. So I was, how, well, how I was old three were you? when I first started. And then my, my, I did my first movie, I was five and I started in Annie when I was technically six, but I had a lie to get to be equity. Oh my God. So. We're gonna, let's, let's break it all down. First okay. of all, I, I want to just talk about the two. Oh, facts I'm an that, Oscar nominee too. Oh my not God. Just a Golden Globe why is nominee. that not, why is that not on your things? What things? Uh, like your Wikipedia. And oh, things. I don't know. I, you know, I have, I have to work on that stuff. You do. Wait, <laughs> what do you have an Oscar nomination for? Uh, for a song I wrote for um, a film called Begin Again with Mark Ruffalo, Kira Knightley and Adam Levine and Song Lost Stars. We did, oh we did a lot of songs for that movie. Oh my God. You are such a wildly <laughs> successful songwriter. Um, and Thank I you. lost my mind when I'm like, she wrote unwritten. That's like, yeah. uh, like everyone in the world knows that song. I mean, also, <laughs> but, but um, it, must, the one, yeah. it must be so thrilling to be like, Oh, I wrote that. Like, what? yeah. Oh yeah, it is. I'm very proud of it. I love oh, it. <laughs> it's so great. I worked up this musical called Emma and it's in that show. It's in like also a lot of jukebox musicals. It's like, a yeah. great, it's everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, you, <laughs> You've written a hit song that will outlive everybody. It's yeah. kind of thrilling. Thank you. Yeah, it is. I love All it. All right, we'll talk more <laughs> about songwriting towards the end. But okay. uh, let's go back to this five-year-old. How does this happen? How does a three- and four-year-old start working in this business? Well, obviously, my mother was involved. Yes, okay. That's how it goes. <laughs> but not, and my grandmother as okay. well, but not like in a gypsy rose kind of a way. <laughs> it wasn't okay. like that. Um so basically when uh, I was really little, we went to Sears Roebuck, you know, those little pictures you can take yeah. at there. And um, the guy that worked there said, your daughter comes off really good on camera. You should go see this manager in the city named Kathy Dowd. Okay. Who, and so we went and of course my mother goes, she's going to be a star, you know? So we go into the city and before that I was always like imitating things on TV. Like I loved listening to opera, like, I would be caught, like, wake my parents up at six in the morning playing the record of Beverly Sills, like opera. Like, I loved, like, weird stuff when I was a okay. kid. So we go in the city, we meet Kathy Dowd, and she sends me up on an audition the same day, and I get it. It was for a commercial. And then my mother also knew the singing teacher. I don't know how she knew him, but she was, knew this guy named Al Griner, who was at Phil Black's studio as well in the city. And so we went to see Al. And he thought I had talent and I started taking lessons with him. And then I started with Phil 
And just from being there, you start meeting everything. I, you know, by the time I was like eight, I did over like a hundred commercials. Like I was the only dark haired, brown eyed kid at the time in the city working. Yeah. I'd go to these auditions and it was literally blondes and redheads. And I'd be like the one like, hey, you got the cannoli. You know? And you <laughs> were like a like, very New York kid, like in look yeah. and style. Um, I'm sure that really set Italian, you apart. You know, pale yeah. skin, dark bangs, you know, brown eyes, you know, <laughs> and um, it looked like my parents, you know, in a pizzeria basically. And, yeah. And uh, yeah. So it, I just started booking things and um, yeah. And that just kind of, and how, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm sure you're going to ask the question of how I get into Annie. So I'll save that. Of course for we're you getting later. there. But before yeah. Annie, you had done this movie premonition and you did an episode of Kojak, which was my I grandma's yeah. favorite show. <laughs> a um, lot of commercials. And, I did. Yes. I did also at the same time, while that was going on, my mother and Al Griner constantly had me performing in old age homes, homes for the deaf, homes for the blind, and at times home for the deaf and blind. What would you perform crazy. there? Just different songs. Like, you know, like everything's coming up roses was one of my staples or, um, <laughs> of course. don't rain in my parade Yeah. or, uh, my favorite was soon. It's going to rain. I loved that song. Oh, it's it was a great not song. a show. It was never the showstopper for a kid, but I felt it. Um, Oh, I forgot to even, and then before even all that, there was a, a drag club in the city where, oh, called gypsies that gypsy ran okay. and owned. And somehow I met gypsy and, he had me before I was even on Broadway. I was the opening act for the drag show for a few weeks. Oh so God. I'd be like, like the special surprise guest. The curtains would open and be me. And I'd be like, why don't you come up and see me sometime, big boy? No. It's not no. the men in your life that counts. It's the life in your men with my sequence bodysuit on and the whole thing. And I loved it. And they Oh, my God. The gays probably lost their minds for this it little was, kid. It was, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. And um, I just loved it. It was just such a great, we called him Uncle Gypsy. He was awesome. And so I did that, you know, I was always doing different things. So so when um, did the Annie also, audition come to you? Well, I didn't quite have a proper audition. So okay, here we go. Buckle up, everybody. <laughs> Buckle up, buttercup. Here's so, the no, story. I, you've heard of the, have you heard of the Jacobis, Dolores Jacoby and all her kids? Yes, and of course. At the time they were like everywhere in the city and they were lovely people. And, uh, they were at Phil Black's dance studio. Everybody was at Phil Black's dance studio at the time. At least it's, to me, it seemed that way. And um, we're, my grandmother sitting, my grandmother used to have to sit in the car outside Phil's to like not get ticketed by the meter maids because they short the meters all the time. Yeah. So my grandmother's in the car. Where it's like, we're rushing to get out to something with the meter. And Dolores Jacoby is coming up the stairs with her son, with Billy Jacoby. And, and because I was a girl and she was a boy, we were in a competition for things. So she would tell us tips. If she, mm -hmm. if she had daughters, she wouldn't have told us, but she didn't. Billy was a boy. So she, she was just, you guys go to the Annie audition. My mother's like, what? What audition? I'm like, the Annie audition. It's right now. Get her down there. So that was all we had to hear. We go down there. They're like, it's a play. We had no clue what it was. Yeah. Like, why would anyone know? Yeah. I had to go. So we get to where the audition is. We, we run in and they're like, oh, the auditions are, we're done for the day. I'm like, she's like, no, she, Danielle has an audition. And then they're like, how old are you? I'm like, I knew I had to be seven. I'm like, seven, even though I'm only six. And this is before good speed. This is like the beginning, beginning. Yeah, yeah. And so they let me go in. And luckily, I've always had a song prepared. And I went in and I sang Over the Rainbow. And then I think I sang Soon It's Gonna Rain as well, <laughs> my other favorite song. Because well, my mother couldn't direct me. What she to loves do. a ballad. That's, that's <laughs> the song that came out of my mouth when, when I wasn't being told what to do. But I went in there and I sang. I, oh, and then they made me sing Happy Birthday as well. 
in the room. Okay. And and when we left, they were basically like, you know, not official, but basically we, we want her in the play. And I, I think I reminded Martin so much of Sasha as well. Yeah. When I was little. And it was just kind of like a, a love affair started right then. And, and uh, yeah. And I now at that point, this character did not have a name. There was like the little one, right. Or something like that. Yeah, It was called the little one. I, mean, I have my original script. I have all, I have the good speed scripts. I have everything. Oh my God. Amazing. So there was the, the little one. And then they called her Mary Jane. Okay. And I know Sasha thought it was Mary. Sasha thought it was, thought like, it was Mary Ann. Okay. It was actually, I heard it was actually Mary Jane, but close okay. enough. And close enough. And then it changed to Molly, which but I did you get to Molly. decide what it would be? If you I got to Molly? like I've got to have input. Yeah, I got oh to have God. input. I mean, the interesting thing about the early days of Annie is that a lot of the characters and what all the other little girls and productions since were they were basically copying a lot of us, you know, our original cast because like yeah. Janeiro and Martin, they were such they were they were such instinctual artists that they would look at what they had and go like, well, let's make this, let's like, let's like, let's not change the nature of this kid that we love. Let's make this in the show. So like I was a tap dancer. I loved to do cartwheels all the time. I was always making funny noises, that kind of stuff like that, like going around. And if you look at it in the actual play, then a lot of those characteristics come in. Well, you had a big tap solo and then did cartwheels and then made that sound. Yeah. So yes. I, but I was like an idiot savant at tap when I was a kid. And that's why, oh God, you know, that, and to Peter Gennaro, I was like, that's brilliant, you know, or like, you know, all the different, you know, I mean, and Annie is so, I mean, I know Kristen Vigard was Annie before and there's an, it was in the book, but I mean, when, once Andrea started doing Annie, it was just like. The whole thing shifted. What do you remember about those shifted. early days? when you guys first got to good speed and all these girls were together and you're the baby, did you feel like the baby? Did you feel like, yeah. what, I mean, I mean, I, we just had a blast. I mean, I felt like the baby in some ways, like, as I, I could work it, but I mean, we were like, has anybody ever told you all the pranks we pulled at the Howard Johnson's hotel? No, tell oh my, us. Oh my God. We were t- like how that hotel survived us. I don't know, but we first we were at the banner lodge staying there. And then we all shifted to the Howard Johnson's, but at that Howard Johnson's, we, we would like, I mean, we probably gave tons of people heart attacks. We like scare people coming around the corners. We filled the whole pool up with bubble bath and hair dye. Oh my god! At the pool at the hotel, we put wraps in there. I mean, we did. We poor Reed Shelton was in the room next to like some of us kids. That man, I think, was about to have a heart attack from us. Like we tortured every. We had the best time. We had so much fun. It was. That it was feels like the world's greatest summer camp ever from every single person who was part of Good was, Good Speed, except Kristen awesome. Vigard. It didn't go as well for her, but, but you know, no, but you know what? Kristen was okay with it. Kristen, I mean, have you have you met Kristen? I have not met her. I'm a huge fan of Grace of My Heart. Do you know that movie? She uh, no, does, but, she does all the vocal singing for Ileana okay. Douglas, and it's so good. It's a great well, movie. Check it out. Kristen, Kristen is just this beautiful. Like she really is like a, a strawberry plant. She's this beautiful flower. And I remember like when we were up at Goodspeed, she had her own little apartment, like place to stay. And I used to go in there, with, hang out with her all the time. And she had this wonderful strawberry shampoo and she would like, let me wash my hair with it. Kristen was just always this beautiful girl, very graceful, never jealous, never, she always had a bigger understanding of things. And um, yeah, she just was full of she, 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 she handled it beautifully, you know, and I'm sure it was hard, but she handled it well. And, and what it never made anybody feel bad for what happened. Did you feel like while it was happening at Goodspeed, like this is going to be something, or at that point you, there's no way to have known that. 
Well, you got to realize I was about three years younger than all the girls yeah. in the play, which when you're kids, that's huge difference. So some things that other people may, may remember is a little foggy for me, of course, some of the memories, yeah. but um, I did, you did feel there was, I never, I mean, I didn't have anything to compare it to. I was thought it was great. I mean, like opening night was a disaster. Uh, I even... Th- the the night they had us because the, they only put us in the, the the colored rainbow dresses the Annie dresses like a few mm-hmm. a few performances in they decided to do that and I remember when I first in the rehearsals because you had to do your change on stage right and I was had to put on that yellow dress and I could never do it get it zippered right and then the the night we finally do it on stage I do it it was like it went really well like oh my god I did this and I walked I'm in the front of the stage everybody's hysterical laughing. I realized my dress was put on backwards. I thought that's why it was so easy to zipper up. But because you were just but, like a little kid, like yeah. But but you know, I was the first kid to meet Sandy. I remember um, when Bill brought Sandy in. I remember being like sometimes that the moms would be off doing stuff, and I would be in the rehearsal room and underneath the good speed. And Martin, Charles, and Tom were working on uh, songs for the show, and I would just lay underneath the piano with the dog and listen to them writing songs oh for Annie, which was incredible. What and, a memory. And, and, you know, and even as a young kid, I knew this was special. I knew Lori Beachman was special. She was amazing. You know, you, you so I think especially as a young kid, you realize certain things are special. Innately. How much of watching, you know, Martin and Tom and everyone create this show, how much do you think that had an effect on you as a songwriter? I mean, to see oh, people create these things in front of you. I've always had an obsession with songwriters. I mean, that was, it was, it was just, I don't think I wish I I could go back now, like in my head now I'm really taken in, but maybe it was good that I did it. Cause I just felt the natural beauty of what they were doing. I just knew there was something special in that moment. I couldn't tell you like what it was or why it was special, but I remember just really liking being there and hearing it. And it felt, it felt privileged to That's me. So cool. So um, this show goes from, you know, we go from good speed to DC and then we're going to Broadway. What was like your family's reaction to this like kind of overnight startup? I mean, it was super fun and it was exciting. And the good thing about it for being a kid is that I wasn't like the only kid in the place. So I was like around other kids. I mean, figuring out school was a bit of a of, of a challenge. And this was before there were any labor laws. I mean, they, yeah. we were just rock and roll. I mean, it was like it was like crazy. I mean, nowadays, the thing, the hours we did and the the craziness of it all would never happen. I mean, there was. Uh, there would be five casts of kids. They would never let one cast do eight shows a week. Right. And, which is probably why it ended up being so special, because there wasn't those kinds of restrictions on it. There was a natural, like, impishness to it. But, um, yeah, so it was, you know, going to Washington, D.C. was really fun because, it was like, oh, we're doing this. We're going to Washington, D.C. And I was like, Amy Carter's in the White House. I don't have any friends in Washington, D.C. I'll write her a letter. Maybe we can hang out. So like, I wrote her a letter saying, hey, Amy, my name is Danielle. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm in Annie. We're coming to play. We're going to be in Washington, D.C. for a while. I don't have any friends there except for the girls in the show, which is mean to me. And I'd like to make a new friend. And maybe we can hang out. And I sent this letter. I never heard back. And I never heard back. And we're uh, at the Kennedy Center opening night in Washington, D.C. And uh, Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter come in and they're like meeting everybody. And I look at them like, I'm like, hi. She's annoyed. They're like, they're like, what? I'm like, I'm like, hi. And I'm thinking to myself, you raised a rude daughter. Like she should have at least written back. (laughs) 
because it's not proper. Like I'm Italian. You don't go to somebody's house without a cake. Yeah, you gotta you can't walk in with your hands. Polite, you say thank you, hello, and you're polite, right? Yes. So so and she's like, I'm like, well, I wrote to your daughter and she just never wrote back. If she didn't want to play, that's fine, but she could have let me know. Well, that got us an invitation to the White House. Oh my god, is that that's why you all were at the White House. Oh, I'm sure there was other reasons. I'm sure there are other reasons. but, But I that was part of like the we went there originally to do the play we did the, we did like a shortened version of yeah. the play and the and then we did like a Christmas show as well which was really fun but we had a play date or a few play dates there and um, I think that that might have been one of the reasons why we got invited as a play. Oh my date. god, that's so funny! <laughs> so when you met, did you you obviously met Amy Carter then? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh here's here's a funny White House story. So you know Please. you know in the NY in the NYC there's you know we're all like everybody's place different like New York people characters yeah. so during nyc i had the weird luck of being slung over the fireman's shoulder pretty much the whole time right okay so and then next to the fireman is the, is the character that plays the hooker so every night i'm upside down and backwards looking staring at the hooker doing her like little hooker dance is that even a, can you say hooker anymore i think it's sex worker but we can say hooker for okay, well, purposes. back when we were doing annie this is the, the 70s in the script, it was called hooker. Hook, that hooker. was the that was the that was in the script Okay. So, um, and I saw her do her little sexy dance, which I was obsessed with. I was like, this is the most beautiful thing. This is a three, you know, it was just it was so cool. And so when the and I and I of course learned this dance in my head. I mean, as actually I heard Andrea in her podcast with you say, we basically knew every every single part in the show. And she was, I mean, we could have all done any role. We could have been Miss Hannigan. We could have been great. We could have done anything, put the right outfit on us, and we could have been any role. But I remember I memorized this dance, the the, the sex worker dance. Great. And well, the great sex worker dance. And we're in the elevator with the president of the United States and his wife and some people. And and I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna impress these people. I go, Hey Amy, you wanna see a hooker's dance? <laughs> Quote unquote. And proceed to do this dance in the elevator. I didn't know it was, it was something that wasn't like normal like you know like i i thought it was a beautiful woman yeah it was a beautiful woman dancing how would you know your kid yeah i didn't know and everybody cracked up apparently so that oh my was- god see this is why you were such a successful <laughs> kid because you were so uniquely yourself in every situation <laughs> um i want to talk about the broadway run of mm-hmm. or your time in the broadway run of mm-hmm. annie because I, I don't think young people today can understand the le- and i'm you know i wasn't really around but I don't think people could possibly understand the success of this show. I mean, it's like Hamilton times two, because there wasn't Broadway. It wasn't what's happening now, this machine. And so, I mean, you guys were everywhere. I mean, you're performing everywhere. It was like the hottest ticket in New York. You're going to studio 54. I mean, like the (laughs) things are so wild. Um, Try to explain it to the people listening, what the stardom must've felt like when Annie opened on Broadway. Well, once again, I'm going to say you have, I have to go back to the lens of I was seven. Okay. Right. So maybe, maybe turning eight at one point, but so as much as I got that, I was still more obsessed with kind of a dollar to go to the arcade. <laughs> Can I have, you know, but it did feel huge. Like all of you know, it was definitely unique. I wasn't going to school, but I hadn't been doing that for a long time. Anyway, I had a tutor two doors down like three days a week. Um, and all the, the coolest part was all these famous people that would come to see the show were like, oh my God, my blown, like Quinn Cummings, Christine McNichol. I remember Henry Winkler was in the audience and like 
we would like, you know, always like, you know, scan the audience for famous people. And when, when Harry Winkler, AKA the Fonz was there, it was the like, Fonz. Oh my God. So what we did, we planned it during hard knock life. We were doing the, the, the brushing and we, it's the hard knock life. When we put, when we put the things down, we all went, Hey, <laughs> with our thumbs up, like the Fonz, like the movie. Oh, in the, uh, oh so my God. I love it. And I mean, going to studio 54, I mean, I knew it was special, but I didn't, I don't have anything to compare it to. Like, I didn't know that it wasn't a possibility for other seven-year-olds. But now as an adult, can you believe that that was your childhood? No, it's amazing. And, you know, it it was just to see all this crazy stuff going on. I mean, being in this place, it was amazing music and this amazing, vibrant scene. I remember, you know, Studio 54 had the the staircase that went upstairs to go to the bathrooms. There was the boys' bathroom on the left and the, the ladies' bathroom on the right. And I remember the first time I went upstairs to go to the bathroom, because I was going crazy all by myself. My mom would be somewhere. Like, it was the 70s. Like, it was like, it wasn't it was like different. it is now. Yeah. And I'd go, like, I'd never let my kid just run around a club. <laughs> In a nightclub. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, maybe I would a little bit. because It didn't hurt me. But You're but cool, I, I'd go to the to the girls' bathroom, and there'd be boys in there. I'd be like, oh, maybe it's backwards day. So I'd go to the boys' bathroom, and there'd be everything else in there, too. And I'm like, okay, well, it's just everything bathrooms. And it was really, I, I'm really happy that I had such a great perspective on on just seeing all this fluidity and this beauty going on at this time at such an impressionable age. You know, it was it was a real gift to be able to be around that. And um, I remember one night in Studio 54, there was this lady, I don't know what, how many drinks she'd had, but she had quite a few. And she had one of those wraparound uh, dresses on with like stockings underneath. And while she's okay. dancing, she's taking off her dress and she's just like no top on in her stockings, just like having a good old time. And I'm like, I'm going to hide her dress. I'm going to hide her dress. Because I'm a kid. <laughs> I, I took her dress and I hid it. And then I watched her for an hour looking for her dress cracking up. So, I mean, <laughs> like that's, that's now the adult. Great... I'm like, that's terrible. But like when you're seven, it's like, this is great. This is a oh my God. What a story. Um, tell me about performing at the Tony Awards. You guys did such an epic, like might as well have done the whole musical. It was a you kind of time where I know you guys have like a 20 minute performance and you get to do your tap solo and never fully dress and they do everything. Tell me what you remember about the Tonys. And if you don't remember it, what is it like to watch it now? Well, this is the thing. I, I remember more the rehearsals for it because okay. anytime you're doing at least for me, when you were doing that show, very specific way, night after night or night after night, and then you're rehearsing it with like on a different set, like a different things. It's a bit of a, it takes a minute to get used to. So I remember like, like the rehearsal and thinking, okay, I remember this. this is weird. And then the actual performance, I don't really remember. But now looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like standing, I'm pulling up my sock and touch, I'm like pulling my hair out of my face. I'm like squiggling around. Like I was not, I was certainly like, Certainly not nervous because I was on stage just like, like like completely just goofy kid on stage. But I did a good job looking back. And oh I my god, it's really so good, good! You look like you're having the best time ever. It was that's the thing because I think I was having fun. I you know I never I never really got nervous um, doing. You're like show. too young to to have that feeling yet. No, I mean I would get nervous for other things, but I didn't because I think we knew it so well and yeah. we was ready like. We've been doing it just, you know, it. it's like the back of your hand. It's like, I could probably still get on stage right now and do the show. It's like, that's how ingrained in my, especially when you're at that age, when your brain is still forming and you learn something so deeply. Yeah. It's like, and it's drilled, I mean, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I remember songs from the Goodspeed run that aren't in that, that never made the play. Like Grace Kelly had a song like, he doesn't know I'm alive. Seth coming blind to the woman I am. He doesn't say what I think is missing. I mean, you really know this song. That's so cool. Oh, I know. I mean, there was another song called Apples, like Apples. They, all the hobos were selling Apple. I mean, there was like, all. I mean, I can literally probably do every version of the play I was in. That's before so treadmills and after treadmills. Before, yeah. like, before the moving stage and after the moving stage. Oh my God, that's so wild. Um, that you changed guys, the show. That changed the show. The, the, having the, the treadmills, treadmills on the stage. And automation, yeah. The, show. As, the only bad thing about those is one night, I think it was in Washington, D.C., Dorothy Loudon got trapped under the, her foot got, she fell and her foot got stuck under the treadmill. Oh, that was really been, scary. That's terrifying. Really scary. Especially when you're a little kid and this is like your family, you know, and you're like, oh my yeah. God, my, you know, um, how were the adults with you specifically being the youngest? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I had wrapped around my finger. Of course, of course. We had a blast, especially Lori Beachman. Lori Beachman was my girl. She was, she used to make me these, I still have them. She makes, she said these beautiful intricate kind of these like drawing sketches of like these landscapes with my name in it and like pictures of me and like really fantastic. I still have them. I, I made the stationery for a while too. Oh my God. I but love that. He was just, oh. you know, like, as I said, when you're a kid, you can really spot special, you know, mm-hmm. and she really, I mean, she was incredible. She was an incredible person, incredible singer, an incredible just a warm and so loved. This community still has so much love for her. Yeah. Um it just and Jimmy Hasby like... and I really totally like he was Jimmy Hasbine and Goosby told me how to do my eyebrows like one up and down. Like I used to be obsessed with like he used to do this like this thing. I used to be obsessed. I remember Steve Bookbar or like all the different all the adults were so much fun and they all had their own fun thing, you know. Um it was great. I, I, I really get along great with that. I was just looking at Martin's book and there's this beautiful photo of you recording the cast album. Yeah. And then next to it is all the kids, you guys all with your brushes and mops in uh, in your brushes and buckets in the recording studio. And I yeah. don't think most people know that you guys had to do all of that stuff while you recorded the album. What do you remember about recording the original well, I cast remember, album? you know, that was a moment for me for a few reasons. One was one of the first times I was ever in a really big recording studio. And I remember... Because I was short. I was like, even though I was like eight years old or seven years old, I looked like I was five. Like I was little. And so like I was kind of eye level with the board and the studio, which was this giant board, rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of lights and buttons. And I was like, this is insane. I was like, how does anybody, I didn't realize they're all rows of the same thing. I was just (laughs) thought it was like a spaceship and all these. Nobody knows. And then it was, and then like being in that room with the headphones on and recording, it just felt. So special. I mean, the whole cast was there that day. It was, I don't know. It just, we just did it really fast. It was a really fun day. I loved when I got to be on the mic by myself. That was my favorite. <laughs> because it was just like, hear yourself with these beautiful microphones and the way they make your voice sound and headphones and just the energy in the room. And I mean, I certainly, uh, I gotta say, I've been very lucky in my life to be, have been blessed with seeing greatness in person, like being around Martin, being around Charles, being around Tom. I mean, Dorothy Loudon, Reed Shelton, Andrea, like being around these, it's like, I just thought talent was normal. Yeah. You know, and not just talent, innovative, great talent was normal. And I feel so lucky to have been around that, you know? Was there a moment where you were like, I got to go? Did you, had had you booked on the family? Was that, was it right back to back? Well, basically I was getting too big for Molly. Okay. Even though I never wanted to leave that role of ever. Course. I was getting too big for Molly. 
And they were like, well, Danielle can wait six months or a year. So I, w- I wasn't quite big enough to, they wanted me to eventually step into Anne, but I was not big enough yet. That was so my next question. More. Yes, great. So they were like, well, she can basically do a different role. Because I mean, really out of the orphans, Molly, it's kind of like Molly was the biggest role after Anne, yeah. you know. And it felt weird to like, for some reason, I just didn't want to do a different Like role. move to Tessie. You're like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Tessie, they're all great roles. Yeah. I'm not putting any of the roles down, but it's when you're when you're kind of like the little stuff and you're getting all this like insane attention, then you go to a different role. I just didn't I didn't want to do it. And at nine years old, my mom. And um and at the same time, so my mom and my grandma and I were like, let's just go to California and see what happens. But I could have always gone back to Annie. And Charles Strauss introduced us to Norman Lear. Oh, here he we wrote, go. He wrote the All in the Family song. And he was like, yeah. I can meet give you a meeting with Norman Lear. So my mom and my grandma and I went out to California. We stayed at the Sheraton Universal Hotel. Side side note, the only person like I really wanted to meet when I went to California was the Hardy Boys. And <laughs> our first morning at the Sheraton Universal Hotel, I'm like, I'm going to go to the pool with them in California. And guess who's filming? The Hardy Boys. Hardy I boys. got to meet Sean Cassidy. And um, oh my God, why am I blanking on his name? I had such a crush on him. The other guy. Remember. Yeah, I can't remember. You know okay. who I'm talking about. Yeah. And I got to meet them that day. But it was a good sign because Hollywood turned out okay for you. Well, you pretty know, quickly. What's, really, what's really funny is that at Annie, and when you when you first walked in, one of the jokes was they have like the message board for like there was the payphone there and there was a phone. And there was a message board for messages that would come in for people. And they're like, oh, like, you know, Donna, you've got a message. Danielle, here's some somebody some messages for you. People would send leave messages back then. And the big joke was my mother would come and goes, Has Hollywood called? Or people, everybody would joke, Hollywood's calling all the time. It was the big joke. So when we first went to California, it was like, Hollywood's calling. I remember I would call backstage, be like, it's Hollywood calling. <laughs> and Andrea was already, Andrea was there the first week we came to California as well, because she was filming that Judy Garland movie. Oh, Rainbow, my favorite. Yeah, she was filming that. Around, she came in like a week, a few days after we were there. That was really fun to see her. And her and I were obsessed with buying Tiger's Milk Bars in the gift shop at the hotel. <laughs> Great. I love it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. 
That's cloudoptimizer.com. Um, so was it very hard? I imagine, I, I want to jump to all in the family, but I imagine leaving Annie behind was really hard, you know, to, to be like, this is going to be my last show. That had to have been a lot. It, a it was, it, it was hard. To be quite honest, I, I don't remember that much like about the last show. I just think it was kind of, I was probably more freaked out and jealous that somebody was going to be doing my part. Like I think when I was doing, when I was doing Annie, they made me take a vacation for a week and it was the worst week of my life. I was like, I'm not letting somebody else, like somebody do my role. That's me. It's my role. And it was so hard for me to like, I, I mean, I could be bleeding and dying. You're not alone in that. Every orphan I've ever talked to is like, I didn't want to go on vacation. <laughs> I didn't want to leave. Um, all right. So all in the family, I mean, you joined that show and it's the biggest show on television, you know, as far as sitcoms are concerned. And uh, when at some point, I guess someone's like, we're going to create this role for you. Is that how that sort of went down? Yeah, basically. <laughs> so we, we, we came to California. There was a few options I had on the table. Um, there was a guy, um, I can't remember his name at Paramount studios that wanted to sign me to like a, like a kind of a deal with like, like TV show and like a TV movie kind of a deal, but it was all new stuff, like stuff that hadn't really happened yet. Like one of the things okay. that was being thrown around was like a Morgan, like with Robin Williams, like with some, some version of Morgan Mindy, but like nobody knew what any, any of that was. Yeah. And then um, I went, met with Norman Lear. And I had, I sang some songs for him and I had like this big briefcase full of like pictures that my mom had made this like giant, like portfolio thing. And as a matter of fact, I, w- I wasn't even going to sing for him. My mother goes, have you sung for him, Danielle? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I sang city lights, the city lights, I love for those city lights. And I think I probably sang soon. It's going to rain. <laughs> and then, the, the, the depressing child song. It's your song. That was me, my soul. Um, and yeah, and at the end of it, I guess Carol O'Connor was walking down the hallway and it was at the time when the characters of Mike and Gloria were not wanting to do the show anymore and they were trying to figure out what to do. And um, Norman Lear said to me, he goes, Danielle, you've just done so much for me. What can I do for you? And I literally said, I don't know, give me a role. That was like, <laughs> cast me in something. That's why I'm here. Hello. Um, and yeah, so then, within a few days later, they called me back and they were like, we want to write this character. Another naming thing. Um, my character in all the family was going to be Connie at first. Okay. And I didn't feel that name. It's, I like, it's not, not a bad name. It just, I wasn't feeling it. I'm like, I can't be Connie. It's not me. So then I picked Stephanie. Cause I like Stephanie Mills from, the I Wind. know I was like, wait, her name was Stephanie. Mills and then the on funniest show, thing and then- is my name is Stephanie Mills on the show. Cause I loved Stephanie Mills and I loved the Wiz. So <laughs> have you had this conversation with Stephanie Mills? We need no, to make lo- I've never met her. I would love oh my God, to I've been trying to get Mills. her on this for a while just because the way I was so obsessed with that Wiz recording too. Oh my um, God. All right. So you <laughs> Same, play this right? role, Stephanie Mills. And I, re- I really remember seeing you in that show. And I, and I do remember also my dad being like, that's the same girl who played Molly. Like, okay. you know, like it was just, I was like, oh my God, what a star. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us about this learning curve of, of doing a half hour sitcom uh, with huge stars on a big network after doing Broadway for, you know, a year or so. Well, you know, it, it's all of a sudden everything's small and there's no music, right? There's no singing. And here I am like, you know, even today, like you're like, you're so loud. Like, like I could like be whispering and you'd hear me in the next, the back of the next theater across the street. Like I just had like, we didn't have mics when we did Andy. Like we were, we had a project. Yeah. 
but still la- sound natural. I think natural. that's the last show. Last show. We still had to sound that. Na- they had these little, these, like you know, little mics at the end of the stage, and that was yeah. it. And um, so I was loud. <laughs> I was like, even like my soft conversations were not soft conversations. And so I had to learn to reel that in. That was that was um, a learning curve for me. But um, outside of that, like I really missed the music part of it. Like you know, just acting alone was not as fun as having mm-hmm. songs. And yeah. um, but you know, I got to be around incredible. You know, and I, I of course had watched the show for years before I was on it, and I also loved like Maud, and I loved Good Times and the Jeffersons and all those great shows. And when we first um, my first uh, year filming on the show was in the KTLA building where they filmed good times and they They'd filmed be lucky we got them. Jefferson, I, and they yes. had all these shows and then um, different strokes, like all these shows were all in this lot. And it was like super fun. It was super all those fun. kids like hang out with each other. Oh yeah. We'd all like hang out and play like, like, like whatever, like actor basketball or actor outside games. We, were, we all sucked at all of them, but we like, I'm like oh, obsessed cool, with, with child stars of like the seventies, early eighties, just like hanging out in the back lot. Oh, it was like, totally, it was totally like trouble. Yeah. It was totally, I mean, even like uh, Lenny Kravitz when he was a kid would be there hanging out because his mom was on, on, on the Jeffersons. That's wild. How was Carol so, Connor and Gene Stapleton with you? They were fantastic. I think you, you could sense that Jean was not as present in the room as everybody else. Like, you feel like she was trying to get yeah. out of the, yeah, you could sense that, but it wasn't really, none of it was my problem. And I so you, you joined that show in its last season and I guess there would, there would have been no way to know that there was going to be a spinoff, right? I was, I said the last two years of all in the family and then it okay. turned into Archie Bunker's place. I mean, I, after the first year, we was it was clear that Gene wasn't only going to come back for a certain amount of episodes, and that was also the same year that they did the episode where she dies at the end of the season. I it was really that. funny because Gene sent um, a cake to the set on the last day of that filming that episode, and it was a picture of a gravestone and the cake, like a cake that looked like, like a gravestone, <laughs> like a really elaborate cake, and it said, "A dingbat never dies." And it was really cute. It was fun oh my little God, that's to the a wild story. Um, yeah. And at what point did they come to you and they say, we're going to do a spinoff for you and Carol O'Connor? Well, I guess it, it wasn't as much for me. I remember we were, we were sitting in Carol's restaurant, the ginger man that, that he had in Beverly Hills. And um, he uh, was telling me, just tell me, you know, that we're going to be doing this. I feel like the network's not really treating us fair. We want it. I don't know all the details of what, their business that was going on was, but I know that there was a bit of a rub and I know he brought, he wanted to bring, he brought Martin Balsam in. So there was another adult co-star. They brought in Denise Miller. Um, yeah. I mean, it, for me, it, it definitely felt like a shift and I know they were going to be focusing on the bar more, which made it hard for them to include me. in they the bar. Find, yes. They had to find ways and they did it, but they ended up adding like the restaurant section to the bar. So the kid could be, could be there. But. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely was a shift. But it 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 was still the same character. It was still, you know, the hardest thing for me was like going, starting to go through puberty on camera. That was on television. Just, that was, right. that was yeah. uh, how that old was, were you? Because you did four seasons of that show, right? So I was, I was just, I when I finished, I started when I was around like nine with everything, and I finished, I think, around like almost fifteen. Wow! Oh, so you really grew so. up on on a soundstage. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah. And you got a Golden Globe nomination, which kids like never get. Um, I what, did. <laughs> what do you remember from that experience? I remember 
looking back, I don't know why the dress that I wore to go to that show was, it was right around the time that there was the princess Diana wedding. And you look back, my dress is almost like a replica of that dress. I'm like, who let me wear this? Who let me wear this like weird princess Diana dress replica. But I remember loving that dress. I felt very, very proud to be in that dress there. And I just remember like the whole lead up to it. There's a lot you, you have to do to like, for these award shows and then i remember when the um i remember my mom taking the ad out like in variety or my big ad out in variety met the for your consideration ad and all that kind of stuff and um it was it was basically it was for the episode where edith dies and because carol o'connor and i had a really beautiful scene at the end of it which we almost improv and um i think that was the episode that it kind of cinched it for me but and I remember going to the Golden Globes. It was super fun. I remember being really disappointed when I lost to Valerie Bertinelli. Rude. I was like, I was like rude. She's an adult. I could have won. <laughs> but it was, um, no, it was, it was a great experience to have. And I'm very lucky to, I, you know, I guess because I was a working actor. So just because I was a kid, I really didn't see the difference between me yes. and somebody else. Yeah. So it wasn't like, I'm a kid. I've got this nomination. It was just kind of like, I deserved it. I worked hard and I earned it. And I'm on a great show and, you know, and we worked for this nomination. We did the right ads and we did the stuff and I got it. And so it, it wasn't to me, it wasn't like I'm a kid with this nomination. It's like, I'm an actor with this nomination. Yeah. And, I love that. Yeah. So, you know, that was the one thing about all the people I've gotten to work with over the years, like Martin Charnin, Carol Connor and Norma Lear and all these, um, people they never they always respected me and treated me with respect even though I was a kid you didn't feel like you were an afterthought they no they they let they treated me like an artist I mean I'm doing the same work as all of them plus school right plus like all the other plus being a kid and they always treated me with a lot of respect and a lot of um never made me feel like oh you're just a kid like even on the the reads for the, for all in the family and Archie Bunker's place, our first table reads, if there was, they let me put input and like, well, this could be a funny joke or maybe like I could, I had just as much say at the table as anybody else. I love that. Which was great. Um, and following that show, I mean, you had such a successful TV career um, doing Knott's Landing, which was my mother and my, we I were obsessed <laughs> with Knott's Landing. I was like a little kid and I loved it. Um, Mr. Belvedere, uh, murder, she wrote tales from the dark side. I mean, all these shows that are so iconic in my childhood. So, um, tell me, we're going to do some quick fire. Oh my God. I loved that show. The Turkey. Oh my God. (laughs) I, um, there was an episode with John Lithgow that like haunts me. Um, okay. So I just kind of want to quick fire, go through these shows and tell me what, what you played on them. Um, hopefully I'll remember. I know. All right. So what did you do on Knott's Landing? I played Mary Frances Sumner. I was Greg Sumner's daughter who for some reason had to live with, I can't remember the name of their characters, but the Michelle Lee house. I had to live in that house. Yes. With and I was, I, I was kind of a naughty girl. Okay. Um, Mr. Belvedere, Streaks on the China, my favorite 80s sitcom. What did you do on that show? I, I, I wore a brown jacket. I remember that. And I don't remember the best. I don't remember that. So I remember my outfit and my hair. Okay. Murder, she wrote. <laughs> All right, Peter Lansbury, the greatest. Well, let's let's just talk about my accent on that show. Oh my god! Wow, I had the uh, for some reason they cast me as a blonde French model, um, which is completely not me. I'm short, dark hair, and from Brooklyn. You have a very French last name, as we talked about. Well, it's French Canadian, but yeah, but um, but yeah. So I was. I remember that was. 
it was really, it was fun to do. I got to, you know, I remember feeling a bit self-conscious doing that episode because I was supposed to be like a runway model. And like, they have me on this, like this place, like all these women are like five, 10 here. I'm like five, five, like, but the girl is thinking with some horrible French accent, but it was fun. And it was great experience to be on Murder, She Wrote. And I'm really grateful for the chance that I have to say that I have worked with Angela Lensbury. Oh my God. It's so cool. And that makes me feel very proud. Okay. Um, what about Days of Our Lives? What were you on that show? Oh, what was my name on that show? God, I can't even remember the name of my character, but I got, I got uh, nominated for like new daytime star award or whatever, like people's choice. But I remember that another show where I was, I think I cast as orphans or like naughty people. That was kind of my thing. Like, like just an outcast always. And on that show, I was another like person that just caused trouble in the main characters' relationships. It was a so lot. You- it was a lot of lines to learn. You're working day. a lot as a kid. What what was this moment that you were like, I I don't want to do this anymore, and I want to write music, and I want to shift my career. Tell me how that uh, well, that turn happened for you. This is like you know before like nowadays, if you're in a TV show and you want to do music, it's like everybody's like, yes, it'll yeah. be even better. How much money but can back, we make out of you? That's- back then, it was like, oh, you can't do both. You're this or that. You're not. It was this big divide and this big. Uh, no, nobody, nobody wanted that. And I mean, this is back before artists would, I mean, artists at that point, I remember there was a controversy about like a Rolling Stones or some band, like licensed a song for a commercial. Like, oh, how dare they? Like they're this, everything was so different, you know? Yeah. And I really wanted to do music and I loved writing songs. And I mean, my, my love of writing songs goes back to like Phil Black's dance studio, the grill building across the street. I knew that's where they wrote songs. Sometimes I would grab a piece of pizza and go sit in the hallway and try to listen to them write songs across the street. Like I love songs. I love songwriting. And um, so, yeah, I just decided I wasn't going to get anywhere if I keep acting, doing music. I wasn't going to have a chance in hell. So I was like, I have to stop acting and just start from the beginning again with trying to become a songwriter and a singer and, and a singer. And you have stuff. released multiple albums that are very well reviewed and people love them. Well, yeah. So my records, like I had one record that did really well in Europe was like a top five single in the UK. And like most of my success as an artist was, was there, but then, um, you know, luckily that transferred to being able to create music in other ways too. So. And then when, how did you start collab finding the right people to collaborate with, to write these sort of hit, songs oh How it's just you together? just it's it's literally just like you just it's you know i think with most things in life you just you just keep throwing things at the wall until it sticks like you don't stop it's like it's a numbers game right everything a lot of stuff is just a numbers game you just do what you do you do work and this sometimes you're working with one person you don't realize that that's going to lead you to the next person you're going to work with you just do things until you you find find where your feet stick you know i mean i literally just i was never had an attitude about I would just go for it wherever, wherever the wind enabled me to go, I would go and work with, you know, work in those situations. How do you like to write with a new artist that you meet? Like what, what kind of things do you ask them so you can figure out what kind of song you want to write for them? It's, it's, it's that's a, a, a question I don't have a real answer to because it's, I have to like, like I could tell you like with Natasha, when I first met her, there was just, I saw her. And all of a sudden, I just knew what to do. I don't know. There was something about her I fell in love with. And she was, she, we were collaborative. It wasn't just me. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, 
I don't know. It just, it just, I just knew, I just felt, I just, this, this, this instinct in me that, that like put your energy into this. This is, this is, this is right. This, this is, is right. right. And you just kind of, I think you st- we probably wrote about like four songs before we wrote unwritten, uh-huh. you know, and then, or with pocket full of sunshine, for instance, you know, you know, like, I, like, how do you write a follow-up to unwritten? Like, good luck. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, you know, I was just like, I was just trying to, like what is it what 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 do i feel natasha could communicate like what is it? like and i she always remind me of sunshine and 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 i don't know just i just kind of starts things fall into place it, it's hard it's hard to explain like i don't really it feels like so people. like it's so organic i don't really drill people i just more i have to go i'm i've go more on instinct i guess you know that goes back to being in such an extreme situation at such a young age like annie like it was all instinct for me like you asked about the opening night, I realized how big it was. It was like, it felt special, mm-hmm. but I didn't have anything to compare it to. Right. So it was just, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm here. And I think having your brain experience things that way at such a young age has served me well as I've gotten older. It's also probably served me not so well sometimes because sometimes I'm oblivious, <laughs> but, but it's really taught me to go on instincts because I didn't have education. I didn't have like honed skills. I didn't have any of that. I just had my natural instincts and, and energy that I could put into stuff. And that's kind of what I do still. When Jay-Z re-released uh, Hard Knock Life <laughs> oh God, and yeah. it's you, was that a surprise to you? Did you know it was coming? And then I had no everyone idea. in the world was singing your song? Again? I have, I have a few issues with that whole thing. Right. And as, as, hey, well, talk, tell us well, what you're legally allowed to say. Well, there's, I can, I have no, I don't have anything illegal to say because there's never been, but basically I remember, well, I'll tell you the funny part of the story. I was driving down Sunset Boulevard and I see a, a billboard. It says hard knock life. I'm like, oh, what is this going on? And then on the radio comes, they're like hard knock. I'm like, is this like a, a DJ thing? Like, what is this going? Like, who, like, who would sample like hard knock life? Right. And it turns out like I've learned really quick, like how what this, this amazing big piece of art that's being put out to the world was that really it was a fantastic piece of art it's wonderful and then i was like well well shouldn't i be getting paid something to be on here i mean like shouldn't we get something for this and basically it ends up none of us ever got a penny for that recording like none of us did and um and and i do i do have a bit of you know bad feelings about that because and I'm, i'm actually looking back now i'm realizing it wasn't necessarily I used to be upset with Jay-Z, but it's really not his fault because he legally licensed the song and sampled it. And, and, and then the, I just feel like the creators of Annie should have taken care of the kids more because they all got paid for it and we never got anything for it. But that's, you know, welcome, that, was, that, was, that was the contracts we signed in the seventies. You know, we didn't know at that point there was going to be sampling. Like there was none of that in our contract. How would anyone know? Yeah. Um, but also it's very cool that you're like, wait, that's me. Like it's that. And it's- but I gotta say it does. It, it is a, it is a great like credibility story. It's, it, it, it's certainly, you know, it's certainly, oh yeah, it's me, you know, singing on hard knock life. When cool. people meet you now, or it comes up in a meeting or if you're meeting with an artist and they're like, were you Molly in the original? Like, what do people think when you tell them that? I mean, that is like historic moment associated with you know it's, it's interesting you how that how annie just transcends generation after generation after generation after gen- it's insane like how all these kids just know about this player a lot or how many have the red album still you know yeah. um i have and one right there was, the other day i was in my, i have eight-year-old twin daughters and i was in their classroom and we were I was just reading stories and stuff to them 
And I guess my daughters had told some of their friends that like when I was a kid and like one of the kids says, is it true that you were an Annie on Broadway? And I was like, yes. And which role did all the kids like now were asking me these questions and they were like, can you sing the, you'll say the, you'll stay up part. And so like, I did it for them. They're like, that's you. And it's amazing how many kids, like even like eight-year-old kids who are like so far away from when I was doing the show, there's still, there's still an excitement and a connection for not all the kids, some, you know, um, for Annie. And it's, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. It's a, I gotta say, you know, I mean, listen, all the credit really goes to Martin, Charles, Tom, and Andrea. I mean, that was, that's the Holy grail for this show. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, to this day, I still hear Andrea's voice in these songs. I mean, when, when to be like laying on Andrea's lap when she's singing maybe every night. So, oh, cool. I mean, I remember even being then, like I would start crying sometimes on the stage because the, the, those lyrics, those freaking lyrics are like, yeah. There's just they're delicious, and the way Andrea Andrea just had this way of singing that was like so matter of fact, wasn't in her head. It wasn't like from her soul. Um, She's saying it. She's just like saying these words that are just so gut wrenchingly beautiful and so well written. And I mean, it's just a it's just it's it's a masterpiece. And I love it. You know, yeah. Tell me what you're working on now. What are you excited about? What can you share with us? What are we well, writing? I'm always, working, I'm always working on music with art, different artists and we're working on some film scores and some things like that. And um, working on a, another little project that it's like a book project. That's not about me. Just something, something different. And, you know, but I'm always doing something and I'm also, you know, very involved mom. <laughs> Kids. Of course. Would have, you let your daughter, kids? My one daughter just did a movie. I actually sent you oh. a link to it. Oh my it's god! Not a please. Movie, but it's like she did a um, she did a she does modeling. One of my daughters, and she she's on like Burberry ads and different stuff like that. And she just did this like amazing like film with the winner of this like uh big kind of contest for Ellen Lexus. So she did this like four minute beautiful women in Hollywood short film for Ellen Lexus. She just did, which is great and. And I haven't really, she just kind of, was just kind of falling into it. We're kind of not really been pushing it for her, but, um, but she's, she's doing that. My other daughter, she's not interested in, in that. And she's interested in dance and gymnastics and art. All so, right. yeah. So I, I spent a lot of time, you know, trying to be a, a great mom as well. Well, I bet you're doing a, a killer job. We're going to do quick fire questions. Are you ready? Always. All right. Just go with your first thought. Don't overthink it. What was your first okay. audition song? It's probably soon as it's going to soon it's going <laughs> to rain, but you can just tell me. <laughs> I I think it was Jet Rain in my parade. Probably okay, um, great. That was the one my mother loved. You have to go see Leah in that show. It is I extraordinary. Hear she's it's yeah. I, like I left out of my seat. Like I lifted oh out of my seat. It was unbelievable. Okay, she's first, pretty extraordinary. She's extraordinary. First Broadway show you saw. Oh God! Well, it would have it would have had it been on a Monday, and I think it was Dracula with Frank Langella. That's cool. Um, what was the last Broadway show you saw? Uh, oh, uh, Frozen on Broadway with my daughters. Oh my God, that's <laughs> so sweet! COVID. I haven't been since COVID. It's fine. You're, we're ready to have you back. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> uh, what is your go-to album for a car trip? Um. Uh, I love World Party Goodbye Jumbo. Okay. Um, I want <laughs> Blank Movie to be a musical. Oh, wow. Wow. Jeez, you're, you're stumping me here. Um, 
Oh, oh, I thought it's a Hocus Pocus, but that is a musical. Isn't no, it? but it's not really. It's not a stage musical. We can make Hocus it. Hocus Pocus. Would you Hocus write Pocus. a Would you write a score to a musical? Have we done that? Are we I that? would absolutely die to to do that. All right, I'm sending it out in the universe. Um, an artist you would like to write for or with? Um, you know, I I would love to write with Adele. I yes. almost had the opportunity years ago. We were at an award show and. She came out to me. She's like, we, I want to write with you. And we, we met and then it all just kind of didn't happen. And so that's something I would, I, I regret. And I would love to have that happen. Oh, well, it's going to happen. Can you name two real housewives? <laughs> well, yes. Kyle Richards, because he was my best friends growing up. We were. <gasps> <laughs> oh my and, God. I'm obsessed. And then um, uh, who else? What's the one with the, the margaritas? <laughs> <laughs> Bethany Frankel. It's fine. That we'll one. It. Yeah. All right. So you don't watch. Um, I right. used to watch, but I, I don't, I, you know, I have eight year old kids right now. It's, yeah. What are you going to do? I'm lucky I can sneak in the handmaid's tail on my phone at night. So let's oh go God. there. <laughs> okay. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. What is your favorite piece of any memorabilia you have? The original Broadway, sorry, the original Goodspeed Opera House script. Yes. Um, did you do any of your high school musicals? You didn't go to high school. I never went to high school. I graduated when I was 15. My, my, high, my high school graduation was at the Beverly Hills Hotel with kids of all different ages. Janet Jackson was one of them as well. I mean, like you're I like went, a real was, Hollywood kid. Like, yeah, I never went to high school. It's which is so, probably why I'm so obsessed with doing things with my daughters at their school. I'm always like in that building, like, oh God, she's here again. I'm like, you're like, because I, I never went. I, mean, I, literally, I literally try to get in that building all the time. Oh my God. I love it. Um, all right. If you can go back in time and see any Broadway show, any year, any performance, what would it be? Maine with Angela Lansbury. Oh, yes. I'm with that. Um, okay. The credit that your family is most impressed by. Um, probably, uh, I'll probably maybe the Oscar nomination. I yeah, don't know. That's, that's a very that's, big that's deal. Cool. All right. Something you really wanted as a kid that you didn't get that you were like, like had a lot of, uh, stress about. Um, a turtle. You mean, you mean a role? No, I meant a role, role, but let's go turtle. Don't even answer <laughs> oh, the no, other no, question. An actual, I really wanted the Annie movie. Okay, we're going to... I auditioned for that. I really wanted that. I put I put a wig and green contacts in. I wanted that audition. I wanted that and I didn't get it. Are you ready? You have to fill in the blank. The 1982 Annie movie is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, know, I, you know, here's the thing. I can, I, I'm a, I, I think I enjoy it. I actually, my daughters love it. I enjoy it. It's not the play and I'd have to go. It's not that it's, it's a, a different, different animal. It's yes. different. And you can't expect this movie to be that. And I think what, as soon as I learned that, then I was really able to enjoy the musical. I think there's some songs in there that are, I oh, don't there's like. wild things in that movie, but, but I love it so much. But It is what it is. It's a different animal. And just, and just like, the play is, is not the comic strip. I think the movie is actually more like the comic strip than the play. Yeah. Um, last time you saw a production of Annie. I saw uh, the last live production I saw was in LA at the Pantages theater. It was, um, it was, it was great. I thought it was really, really great. Um, the cast was wonderful. It was really good. I enjoyed okay. it. I'm glad that you could still see it and see all of the the joy and uh, that you created. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really I'm really excited to see the new version that's come out. Uh, I know. I heard the tour is really beautiful. Yeah, so everyone, I hear it's amazing. And check it out. Um, yeah. All right. So obviously, that you're gonna. I think the answer is yes to this one. Would you let your kids do a Broadway show? Sure. If that's Great. what they want to do, they can do. My kids can do whatever they do, want or don't want to do. Because Thanksgiving is uh, next week. Tell me what your favorite Thanksgiving food is. 
Mm, well, I'm a vegetarian, so it ain't the turkey. It ain't that. That's but why you look so good. You look <laughs> incredible. Like oh, you're, you. yes, you're, you, you're gorgeous. Thank you. Um, my favorite Thanksgiving food is, oh, I know what it is. God, how am I even questioning this? It is candied yams. But I mean, like not the canned kind, like I, like they've got to be like, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, it's like, just, it's pie without the crust basically, but it's just, that is that for me. That and create like a cream corn and then like cornbread, like all the all the corn corn things. Like, um, like don't bother with the green beans. Who cares? I don't I don't care about any of that stuff. Just like let's just call it what it is: a junk food table. Junk food at the table. All right. What movie yeah. can you watch over and over again? Um, Daddy Daycare. <laughs> I love that. Movie. All right, you have to pick one. Maybe or tomorrow. Maybe. Yeah. Well, it was to you. Um, and what advice do you have for young performers who are kind of in starting out in this business? Well, you know, it's, 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 I, it's interesting because I look at what people have to do nowadays with, you know, you not only have to be good at what you do, you have to be social media presence. You have to have so much other things happening, but I would say the most important thing is to still find the naivety in whatever you're doing. Find find the innocence in what you're doing and not the slickness because I mean, practice, like make your studies, make, make your training become second nature. So it's not something you think about, but your imperfections are sometimes what makes you perfect. And so I I would say to, I would say to really, you know, don't find what makes you special and, and work really hard to be good at what you do. So you don't have to think about it. Yes. And the, and the rest is still unwritten. That is correct. <laughs> um, tell the people where they can follow you to see what's up with your life. If that's something that you like to uh, share. You know what? I, I, I don't really, I have, I, 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 I could update you on that later. I have to, I'm kind of working on all that stuff right now. I'm more of a behind the scenes kind of gal at this point well, we right love now. That. Would you ever perform again? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of itching towards that direction a little bit again. Lately. All right. Good. So we, I want yeah, that. I, you know, I, I think I would, I would like to do something. I'd like to, I'd like to stop, uh, stop minimizing myself in terms of like, you know, just actually open up a bit more and not be so closed off in life and do some more things like they experience some more things. So yeah, I would love to perform again. You brought so much joy to so many young people and a generation of people watched you grow up on television and uh, (laughs) you're such a delight and so wonderful to get to spend some time with you. So thank you so much for joining me I've been a fan of your podcast. I love it. Good. Tell your friends. Um, And everyone at home, go to that Apple podcast and hit five-star, write a beautiful review. Um, Danielle, it was so great to share my Thanksgiving episode with you. So happy happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, everybody. And uh, we'll be off next week. Fourth of July are the two best holidays because there's no presents involved. I love both of those for those reasons. And there's no, there's no presents. It's just your presence is the present. My presence is is the presence. It is. Um, And your presence was my present today. Thank you, Danielle. You are the greatest. And I'm so glad to finally meet you. You too. And I'll keep listening. And and oh my God. Yes. It's awesome. Um, Bye everybody. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye Danielle. Bye. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network, and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash littleme. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.